Hi there, Giel here, and thanks for checking this second episode of Can You Feel It? Last week was the official launch at the Amsterdam Dance Event. Thank you so much, Kerike, for, well, the hosting place at the Adam Tower and for, of course, delivering these great Rocket G4 studio monitors. And thank you all for uh, the great reactions about the first episode with uh, Armin van Buren. Feel free to contact me. Uh, the socials are Can You Feel It Stories, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, you can always Twitter me direct. G-I-E-L-S, that's at G-I-E-L-S, Giels. Yeah, that's Dutch. Can You Feel It is on YouTube, Spotify, and since this week we are uh, at iTunes, finally. So uh, leave a comment over there and maybe you can leave your favorite house classic or something like that. Anyway, here we go with the second episode and his name is Lucas Cornelis van Scheppingen. Yeah, better known as Laidback Luke. What a great guy. He's really a founding father. He has some great opinions about the electronic dance music scene, about what a DJ should do. His stories are great. And he tells about why he feels so responsible for the death of Avicii. Yeah. You're going to hear it. Oh, yes. We're going to rocking with the best. Let's start with Laid Back Luke. It's the music of millions of people all over the world. Electronic dance music. In Holland we call it house music. It was my history. It was my youth. These were my records. Who am I? I'm Giel Beelen, a Dutch radio DJ. And I want to share and explore my musical history with you, together with the biggest DJs. As you probably know, most of them come from Holland. Why is that? This little country in the west of Europe. And how did they all start? Can you feel it? The story of a Dutch DJ from the bedroom to the festival. Check this out. This is going to be a dance trip down memory lane. Uh, hi there. Uh, thanks for listening and welcome. Hey, back Luke. Hey, what's up? Yeah, uh, great to be here at uh, your place in Holland. Yeah, nice and convenient. No yeah. traveling involved. No Little mobile setup. Yeah. Awesome. Um, our native language is Dutch, but for this podcast we'll speak English, or at least I'll try. Uh, but for our Dutch li- uh, listeners, eet je nog wel eens echt iets typisch Nederlands? Ja, weet ja? je, wat ik het lekkerst vind als ik uh, weer in Nederland kom, is goed ouderwets bruin broodje kaas. Oh. Echt, dat is gewoon niet te vergelijken hoe, hoe, hoe beter dat is dan in het buitenland. Omdat het daar toch de, de, de kaas wat... Uh... Ja, de, dus ik, uh, ik woon in Amerika en de, de kaas is wat neppig, maar ook het bruin brood eigenlijk. En okay. hier is het gewoon wel het echte ding. Okay, guys, it was all about cheese. <laughs> Very classic. <laughs> uh, let's start with, uh, well, the EDM, the earliest dance memory. Um, do you still remember the very first time you heard house music? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I must have been 15 years old. And, and this was, uh, so I, I think this was, must have been 1989. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. 14 then. And... Um, I just remember it becoming such a such a big hype in the Netherlands. Yeah. Uh, you had turn up the bass, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, the, the compilation, the compilations, yeah. and uh, then there was um, was it house party compilations yeah, yeah, as house well. Party, yeah, yeah, the mixes, yeah, 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 the mixes. And I just remember doing my little paper route, and I bought a cassette tape with uh, one of those compilations, and I had it on repeat, and just walking out on my paper route in the Netherlands we walk during the paper routes yeah. um, I just got hypnotized by all those like beats just continuing and yeah. and I fell in love with it 
Okay. And and um when was the moment you thought, okay, I I I I I want to do something with it. Uh, first you bought records or No, not really, not okay. even. I come from a musical family. Uh, my dad, both on my mom's side and and my dad's side, we have uh, musicians in the family. Mm -hmm. And they would always make fun of me when uh, at the family gatherings, we would try and make music together. And I was always the one that couldn't really like play anything. My brother is a really good drummer. Yeah. And they always kind of made fun of me. It's like, oh, there's Luke again. And he's, <laughs> you know, a little bit off, but don't pay attention to him. <laughs> so I had all this music stuck in my head always. And, uh, and when I was 15 years old, uh, a friend of mine, he had an Amiga computer. Yeah. And uh, he uh, he showed me one of my favorite tracks back then. It was Technotronic, Pump Up the Jam. Yeah, of course, he yeah, yeah. Had like uh, the track laid out on his computer, oh. and he started soloing out the synths and uh, uh, letting me hear the acapella and adding beats onto oh, it. And great. I was like, "Wait, so you can make music with a computer? Man, I want to try this!" And so all of a sudden, I could program music. And I was sold. It was literally then when I found that out that I was like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. So, well, you were a musical uh, guy like the rest of the family. I guess. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I still take my piano lessons yeah, and okay, I still okay. play a little bit of a guitar here and there. And uh, yeah, so it's in there and it does help me whenever I produce tracks that I do know about chord progressions and that sort of thing. But the computer has been a massive help, yeah. of course. So then you started, uh, well, doing things uh, at your bedroom, I guess. Uh, yeah, then uh, two years following to that, I would make music on anything I could get my hands on. My dad had like a keyboard player and there were, was a, like a little sequencer inside. And I just remember five minutes programming the beats, just, you know, like yeah, literally yeah. like, mm -chicka 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 for five minutes. And then I spent five minutes layering chords over that and five minutes and uh yeah just anywhere i could get my hands on we had a, a like a pc with the first sound card in there <clears throat> and i just remember i was trying to make all of these beats i was very much in love with the prodigy as well the yeah. prodigy music so i was i was making like breakbeat rave kind of stuff great but it, it sounded like nothing because i couldn't use samples and I was just often wondering why all the other music sounded so professional and mine sounded so crappy. Mm -hmm. And I figured that out in the next couple of years, yeah. Oh, wow. And and uh, I don't know if it's true, but I guess so. Uh, I heard that uh, the good men were uh, helping you in the beginning. Absolutely. So the good men, mind you, that's Chocolate Puma right yeah. now. Uh, Rene and Gaston, they, uh, yeah, Gaston uh, discovered me. He was playing at my high school end of the year party. Oh, nice. And I found out that he originally, so we're, we're kind of close to Hofdorp right, right now where I yeah. used to live. He lived there as well. He actually went to the same high school as me. He was already famous. He had like a couple of top 40 hits with the good men and he was performing at my high school party. I was like, nice. man, I gotta get a demo tape over to him. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah with uh, some of my first productions on tape. I uh, was super nervous to, to introduce myself to him, but I basically said, hi, I'm Luke. I'm from this school as well. I make music too. Here's my demo tape. Can you listen to it? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. He was very kind and he was like, absolutely, I'll listen to it. And 
And then in the next few months, I heard nothing. Oh. <laughs> oh. And uh, I was like, man, these are some of my best songs. Why, did, why didn't I hear from him? And so, because it, it's a small village, I uh, found out his uh, home phone number. Ah, okay. Mind you, he was still young at that time, and uh, he was living at his parents' house still. So I found out the, the parents' phone number, and uh, two, three months in, I was like, okay, man, I'm just going to give them a call. Yeah. I'm just going to do it. So I called him up. His mom answered the phone, and I said, well, I'm Luke. I gave him a demo tape a few months ago, and uh, I didn't hear back from him. I wonder why. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, okay, well, let me let me talk to him, and um, I'll let him get back to you. I was like, okay, excited. Two weeks later, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> called his mom up again, same story. She's like, well, he's been very busy, and... Um, yeah, you know, let me get him back to you. Okay, well, I think a month went by and I uh, I called him up for the third time. No. And, I, and I said to his mom, listen, this is going to be my last phone call. After this, I'm going to stop harassing you. I am so sorry to waste your time. I just want some feedback. And that's it. And um, and she, uh, she said, okay, let me, let me holler at him. And she did. And he phoned me back. Oh. At a certain point, he phoned me back, and I was like, "Oh man, this is this is him." He actually told me that he hadn't listened really <laughs> to my demo tape. That's honest. Um, and that, like, literally the day before he called, he uh, he had a listen, and and he heard something. He said he wanted me to come over and let me hear my new songs, and. So yeah, I did. I went to his house, super nervous. Couple of my new songs. We we sat down and sounded absolutely crappy. The sounds were like nothing. But he heard a certain like groove or swing and something in the melodies that that captivated him. Yeah. So we we kept on doing these sessions. Yeah, about two three years. Like I would come every two months. I would come to his okay. house and show him my new demos. He would give me advice and. Um, and I started getting better and better and better. And after two years, he offered me my first record deal. Wow. That's great. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's a better story than uh, I heard nothing from him. And then later <laughs> there was this release on Fresh Fruit Records. Oh, which, yeah. <laughs> which was your song. But Yeah, that's funny. Uh, and what was the moment uh, you begin to DJ as well then? DJing. DJing. And it, it's so interesting because I, and right now I'm known as this real dj and yeah. uh, people know me might even know me more for my djing skills than mm. my uh, my productions but djing came four years after my first release oh so like uh, the end of the 90s or something yeah so uh in 1996 my uh, my ex-wife then my girlfriend yeah. she uh she was mesmerized by DJ 100% ISIS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was a who was a hype and a female DJ coming up yeah. big time in the Netherlands and uh, inspired a lot of women to to start DJing. Yeah. So my uh, girlfriend brought bought like a DJ setup, two crappy turntables, a Newmark mixer, and uh, she gave it one shot and it frustrated her. She threw the headphones into okay. the other corner of the <laughs> room and she was like, "This is nothing for me." And so I I stood there looking at these decks i was like wow and they're just standing here in my studio let me try and uh luckily because of my production skills yeah. i knew like um how the how the where the momentums were and how to how to mix in and work the volume and the eqs a little bit and yeah sure enough i i could do it quite easily and um and i just never stopped and yeah so this was 
four years after my record deal and the year after because people heard I, I DJed as well and I had a couple of tracks out yeah. and Carl Cox was supporting me and, and whatnot. The year after I had my first show uh, internationally in uh, in the UK in 1997. That was the first show actually. Yeah. So you, <laughs> yeah. there was no gig in Holland. Oh man. Uh, there was one oh, show okay. in the Netherlands at during ADE. Okay. I, I was in a, a little okay. cafe. Uh, this was uh, through Chocolate Puma as well, but I had like the, the little side stage. Yeah, I was yeah. so nervous. And I remember, because this was DJing with vinyl, my hands were shaking that much that I had to like throw the needle on the record somewhere <laughs> and then rewind for like a minute to find the beginning yeah, of the yeah, song yeah, 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 yeah. and then mix. But yeah, I, I used to always be very nervous. Okay. And uh, was there a moment you, yeah, you knew or you felt, okay, I'm going to be a full-time DJ slash musician. This is, this is my job. Well, so this is a, a couple of things. So let's just rewind back to when I was 15 in the yeah. summer. <clears throat> so I spent two summers like just uh, making a ton of music. And I, I was just locked into my bedroom. And uh, at the end of the second summer, my dad rushes into the room and he said, Luke, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I don't like what you're doing. You're not going out. You're not going anywhere. And uh, what makes you think that you can make a, a living out of this or you can actually like go and find like a, a job or something. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, you know what, dad, you watch me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to reach the top of the All world. All right, that's the spirit. And um, from there on, I, I really made it my goal to try and make okay. a living from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't that easy. It was a long and hard road. And I remember coming from uh, my uh, graphic design school, uh, in 1997, I started working for a record label as the graphic designer. Oh, wow. Doing a full, like, one and a half year of, uh, yeah, designing all our releases and okay. that sort of thing. Is there, like, a famous cover uh, you made that we well, the one, can know? <laughs> the one that still stands out for me is the the, the new remixes of René and Gaston Valet de Larne. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I made a, a big cover of. And... Uh, yeah, also the the cover of my uh, first album, Psyched Up, which is all done yeah. by myself. Uh, but it was a one and a half year after that. I, I had some shows on the sides in the weekend. But one and a half year after that, uh, I got discovered uh, through DJ Remy's uh, booking agency. And they started... Uh, or was it the other way around? I started my first breakthrough in the Netherlands was at Awakenings Festival in yeah. 1999. I had, a, I had a super late slot or a super early slot. Yeah. I ended the festival uh, DJing from 8 to 10 a.m. And uh, I did such an amazing job that it spread out my name throughout the country instantly. From there on, I could DJ almost weekly and so give up my day job. Okay. But what, what kind of music you played then? Because Awakenings is really like hard techno. Yeah. Yeah. So I... My first influences uh, were MK and very much yeah. a deep house and groovy house kind of thing. Yeah. But I hold the, the, the guy of the nightcrawlers. Yeah, yeah. The night. Well, the, this was uh, wow. That's one of those classics. Yeah, nightcrawlers. And uh, from there, I always had like a desire to make like heavier stuff and harder stuff. And uh, at a certain point, I was obsessed with how to create dance floor energy. Uh, 
I don't do any drugs or anything. So yeah. it, it needed to be the music that instilled that energy in me. So the music that I made became harder and harder and harder. And back then, techno was like 140 BPM, yeah. super fat beats. And uh, yeah, I got drawn in more and more into techno, started releasing a few okay. on a few techno labels. And, and so my breakthrough in the Netherlands was uh, techno. Under the name of Laidback Luke. Laidback Luke. So what, uh, what's, uh, what's the title of a track? Um, so uh, I had a, one of the bigger releases, uh, well, uh, Carl Cox started playing my tracks uh, through Green Velvet, The Stalker. That I did a remix of, and, and then I just uh, started releasing on, well, pretty big, uh, more underground techno labels like uh, Torture, from that's Billy Nasty's label. Uh, Missile, I had uh, MC as a track, yeah. uh, M and then C as in C, <laughs> yeah. um, that sort of thing. Yeah. I started just releasing a lot of techno uh, in in the underground and um, yeah, broke through as a techno DJ. Yeah. So uh, mind you, this was a, in, at the same era, Marco Corolla broke through, yeah. Adam Bayer broke through and Umek and I, whenever I still see those guys like on the road, um, yeah, I know those guys. Yeah. Like, we used to be colleagues and everything. Yes. That's great. Yeah. And, and, and what do you remember about those early days? Because, well, it wasn't that big. It wasn't that well arranged uh, as it is now. Yeah, it was very differently. A lot of uh, nostalgia, of course, just, you know, showing up uh, at a festival and saying... The, to the security, the security was like, uh, so uh, yeah, what are you doing here? I'm like... <laughs> I'm I'm DJing and they're like, oh okay, so what's your DJ name? I'm Laidback Luke. Never heard of it. <laughs> oh, that, those kind of eras and um, <laughs> it was fun. I must say. And the thing is with the DJs as well, we all were like connected and we were yeah. all friends and we knew each other. We knew what we were doing and it's just become so big, man. It's so different. Mm-hmm. But you were uh, well, like you mentioned, as as. Well, in the beginning already international. So, uh, well, besides then maybe uh, Ski and Dobre, there there wasn't really an attachment or the, the friends with uh, other Dutch DJs or yeah. you saw them in the, in, in the clubs or... No, that was, so that came later. So uh, okay. with Awakenings, um, uh, I got my Dutch breakthrough and I started DJing more and more in the Netherlands. And then at a certain point I got picked up by uh, Virgin Records who started pushing me heavily with the original version of uh, Rocking with yeah. the Best. This new version now, yeah. And and through them, I got to play a lot of uh, the, the rock uh, podiums in, in yeah. the Netherlands. And, uh, yeah, because you were one of the first, uh, for me, uh, that has this really live uh, setup. Uh, yeah. It was like, yeah, it, it wasn't even a DJ set. It was like... Yeah, yeah laid back look live i did that yeah i did that to promote the album i had a, a keyboard with me and yeah. a sequencer i did a lot of the things live and combined it with uh, djing i did that yeah. and it was a really good promo and was a really good uh, good tour as well but through that i started playing more and more in the netherlands and um, at a certain point at the end of 2004 2005 with the rising of uh, parties like uh, uh nope is dope and yeah. DJing in the, in the Now and Wow and Young Afrojack and Benny Rodriguez coming up and that sort of thing. Yeah. 
we started to form a, like a little Dutch clique. And for instance, I uh, just remember like playing in the south of the country, and there was always this this guy at my shows. He had freckles and he had a little bit of a ginger hair, always a big smile on his face, and he was always like studying me. Yeah. Later on, this was Hardwell. Oh, and, uh, nice! And so that's where where we got that like tight Dutch click yeah, from. Yeah. yeah. So um, you came up with then uh, when you were uh, performing the, the the live things with working with the best and pop music. Um, that uh, yeah, you made your style your own during that time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, mind you, at a certain point, I needed to break with techno because I, c- I just couldn't make like washing machine loops anymore. No, getting harder and... Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, I had all this musicality. I wanted yeah. to write vocals. I wanted to work with chords. I wanted to yeah. implement guitars and that sort of thing. So I completely broke away from that. And with the Virgin deal, I had the opportunity to, to make more of a commercial type of music, still alternative, but catchy. And yeah, this became my style. And uh, what I set out for back then was like, I just need to be the Daft Punk of the Netherlands. Yeah. And so it, it was in that kind of corner that I started making a name for myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So back in 2003, I scored a number one hit in the Netherlands with the Dance Valley anthem. Yeah, we we yeah, cannot yeah. get enough. We Big crossover. Yeah launched me uh, mc marksman yeah, yeah mc marksman on the vocals and launched me in the netherlands as uh, you know this this big dj star yeah, all yeah. of a sudden i had made it and and the year after i had set my um, sights on on djing internationally outside of the netherlands i didn't have any name yet or anything so i got a few shots doing international shows and i just remember this particular festival global gathering in the uk where i ha- had my opportunity and you know i had a little bit of a big head uh, then uh, because you know i had made it you in the netherlands star, yeah, i was yeah, yeah. star whatever so they gave me a slot at the festival not really knowing who i was i was um, got this opportunity through roger sanchez and um I got the slot from, what was it, 9 to 10 a.m. in a big, big tent, 10,000 people capacity. I had the slot before the winner of the local DJ contest. And I just remember DJing there and there were two people just passing by <laughs> in the morning. Oh, and no. I was like, oh, there's people, got a scratch. Got a, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and they just kept on walking and it was empty. Uh, uh. And this uh, this was a fuel for me though. And, and very humbling to, to set out for a career internationally. Okay, you, you, you thought, okay, work harder. Uh, and yeah, then, yeah okay. we got to fix this. Yeah, yeah because uh, I, I remember that you during that time were producing for a lot other big guys as well. Um, with with uh, yeah yeah so so this came a little bit later on okay. so in 2005 there was this guy on my forum popping up steve angelo never heard of him <laughs> he was like hey man i love what you do and can we keep in touch and can we make some music together apparently so thank thanks to the virgin record deal i uh, i'd made an official remix of daft punk yeah and uh, so he heard that and he, he was amazed by that. So he, he started following me and I didn't know this Swedish guy. And I said, you know what? Sure, I'll, I'll come to Sweden. Yeah. I'll make some music with you. Why not? Let's do it. 
so this became a yearly tradition and i remember meeting meeting his uh, bigger friend there in uh, stockholm uh, his name was uh, Sebastian Ingrosso. Yeah. Never heard of so the guy. So that was before the whole Swedish house mafia thing. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and we just started making tracks, and the guys were were coming up. I remember uh, even a year after I started making music with Steve Angelo, all of a sudden he started blowing up. Amazing remixes, amazing production sound, and I was right there when that when that happened. And we yeah. just kept on making music. And yeah, th- like in one of those years, we made Leave the World Behind together. And uh, yeah, this one was the track right before the Swedish House Mafia broke through. And so it was really good to, s- to see that. Yeah. Through that, I uh, started uh, making music with David Guetta yeah. as well. And the, the funny thing about that is, so Steve Angelo and I made a track called B. And we especially made this with uh, like Eric Morillo in the back of our yeah, heads. He yeah. was like a, one of the top, top international DJs yeah. back then. And yeah, sure enough, Eric Morillo started playing that as well. And then a, a whole lot of DJs started catching up. I was booked at a Paris, uh, Paris uh, street parade. And I was playing, David Guetta was on the, the thing and he was gonna play after me as well on the, on the truck. And I played B. <laughs> And David Guetta tapped me on on my shoulder, and he's like, he wasn't he wasn't amused actually. He's like, you you don't realize that I play this track in all of my sets, right? This is like one of the biggest tracks. Like, I don't re- appreciate you playing this before me. <laughs> I use that uh, so, story. Yeah. So, so I turned to him and I said, "Dude, this is my track." <laughs> And he was amazed. He was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. You are laid back, Luke. And yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. And so we started, we kept in touch and um, we started making music then. And the cool thing about this collaboration is I remember, so you were in my old house in Alsmere. Yeah. We, we started making music there. And oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Did yeah, you yeah, in, there? Yeah. In my little home studio. Oh, right. And I just remember being on the email with one of my uh, younger talents back then, he was he was very eager, made amazing music already, and but he kept on bugging me once he found out that David Guetta and okay, I yeah, were yeah. in the studio. <laughs> this talent's name is uh, Afrojack. Oh right. And so we were emailing back and forth. He's like, "Dude, I gotta meet David Guetta. Can you can you arrange that for me, please?" And I was like, "You know what? In the weekend, David is gonna play in Rotterdam. I will be there with him. Come out, and I'll introduce you guys." So I introduced wow. Afrojack to David Guetta, and yeah, you know the rest is history. Rest is history it's crazy. Yeah. And do you still have contact with uh, with with the guys? Uh, there was this reunion of the Swedish House Mafia, for example. Not really, okay. not really, because we had a, like a little bit of a fallout oh. after Leave the World Behind. Oh. Um, Music rights uh, thing. Yeah, or, a lot uh, of politics, uh, and uh, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of things involved, which. Which was too bad. I, I mean, we we are still absolutely friendly, and whenever we see each other, we uh, yeah, okay. we're good. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's and it's a shame. I I I loved actually. I loved creating with them, and I used to be uh, the Swedish House Mafia opening DJ and yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was uh, it was fun times. Uh, yeah. But it's it's amazing to see how much they um, influenced uh, dance music history. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and um, for me to know the the whole David Guetta time was that 
the titanium uh... yeah so this was right before titanium oh, wow, okay yeah okay. so he made titanium with afrojack oh yeah, yeah so right course, before yeah. that we, love don't uh, let me go and think and try yeah, like yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah okay and um yeah it was, so it was right there and so this is an important part in um edm history because i was producing with david Guetta when all of a sudden he got phone calls from dr dre yeah and from will uh will i am yeah <clears throat> it's it was becoming pop music exactly so mind you this was when there was no dance music uh, crossing over in america yet no. and david was obsessed with the dutch house music and he's like what you guys are doing in this country i want this international internationally and i want to hook some rappers up and obviously you know you one can argue uh, did did he did he do that right because you know the commercial version sounded differently mm. than what we originally had intended but it is absolutely a fact that edm got big in america because of of these type of mashing up with the rappers and, yeah. and the big record labels yeah making it like yeah songs for the radio yeah exactly okay uh, let's let's talk about the, the music um um, oh no no no! So before that, I want to know because well, you you mentioned you started as a producer, uh, and then well, you were becoming this this well big DJ. What was it like to getting famous? It was a long and hard road, man. It was crazy, uh, a road full of ups and downs and a lot of a uh, learning curve. So when I scored that uh, that Dutch crossover hit in two thousand three in the Netherlands, yeah. All of a sudden, I was there, and I, for me, as a, I had the feeling that I had made it. Pretty much everyone in the Netherlands knew who I was. I got yeah. records recognized on the streets and everything. So there's that. And so for a year, um, one and a half, maybe even stretching it out to two years, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I was really just like, okay, so I made it. So I'm, I'm chilling. I was like hanging out with fellow DJs. I was, you know, not just, producing at all. No, not really. I mean, no. I'm, I already made it, so you know, <laughs> oh why, why would I need to to do anything? <laughs> okay. And so, so at the end of um, 2004, summer 2004, I, I called my manager. I was like, "No one is asking me to remix anything anymore. Do you know what's going on?" And she's like, "Yeah, dude, you, you didn't do anything." <laughs> but I was, I was like, "But, but I made it, and I'm famous, oh and you know, shouldn't I like get more music in and?" So it's then I learned that you should always keep busy and and keep yeah. on getting new goals and setting new goals and and so this has kept me like in the longevity and with the international career it was yeah. a long hard road very humbling trying to trying to get up that international ladder and there's not really one moment that I say as in the Netherlands that um okay so I made it internationally no. It was, which is maybe better than I know, right? <laughs> uh, and it was just like very small steps. And I do remember I was back at Global Gathering. This must have been 2008, 2009. Finally, I got a slot after Pitong before Swedish House Mafia. Okay, then. This was 8 p.m. at night, packed 10,000 capacity tent. And it was there that I put my first track on. I, I thought. Yes, now I made it internationally. Yeah, yeah. but I still gonna work hard. I'm, I'm not gonna let this go, man. <laughs> no, I worked, exactly. uh, worked too hard for this. Was yeah. that one of the highlights of your career? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's uh, there's absolutely many. I mean, I, I just remember the first time playing uh, at Sensation White. Yeah, this must have been what was it, 2000. 
four or something. And I just remember I've never been in a football stadium because I'm not much much of a soccer fan. Mm-hmm. But so I, I I played this huge stadium, forty thousand people, all dressed in white, amazing vibes. And I was just looking over the crowd and I thought, you know what? If I play this track right here, right now, I know this place will explode. So I play the track, sure enough, it explodes. And I got that ah, applause. And I just remember feeling like goosebumps going all over my spine thinking, wow, this this is what it must feel like to score a goal in the stadium. Okay, what's the track? Um, Merry Go Wild by Grooveyard. Oh, Grooveyard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Um, Well, you are, like I said, a founding father, a a part of the music history. What do you feel most proud of? Most proud of is the amount of people that I've helped in this industry. Uh, The the talents that were on my forum and a lot of lot of big names. Obviously, I just mentioned Steve Angelo, but. The more and more Hardwell, Afrojack, Hardwell, yeah. Afrojack, uh, Nicky Romero was on the forum as well, and yeah. uh, and uh, we had this uh, another unknown Swedish guy popping up on, on my forum one day, and he really wanted to get heard. Oh yeah, his music didn't really sound great, but I thought, you know what, I I see something in this kid, and that was Avicii. Yeah, and uh, so two of my proudest accomplishments, I would say, are Avicii and Afrojack. Yeah, uh, and I have you know I have a ton of talents under that, and which I'm also very proud of. But to just be able to be a part of their story is is incredible, and and these guys have become so mega. Yeah, um, yeah, and and it started with little old me, and I'm I'm very yeah. happy with that. And and um, was that maybe because of the fact uh, a DJ like Gaston helped you, and you thought okay. I want to do it myself with new guys, or it it it, it, it was because of the form as well. The 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 uh, for people who doesn't know that it's about well all technical things. Yeah. So the the way the forum started was uh, in my on my website in two thousand one. We had a guest book, and occasionally I would just sit behind my computer and would answer questions yeah. on the guest book about production and yeah. wh- what to improve and. And this became so big, like a lot of talents jumped on there and started asking me questions. I was like, okay, so we needed to fold this out as a forum. And um, I spend a good one and a half hour every single night answering all these young talents questions. Uh, And yes, that's absolutely due to Gaston uh, giving me a chance uh, as a young talent and giving me the opportunity to improve myself. And I, I always uh, thought by myself, if if I would become famous one day, I want to give that back to yeah. the new talents. Yeah, great. Okay, let's talk about uh, uh, the music. I ask you for uh, five uh, classics. So my absolute number one would be, and and you know, I know this is the wrong uh, the wrong way yeah. around, but the absolute number one is Technotronic. Yeah, Pump Up the Jam. Um, I re- just remember being a, a hip hop kid as well. Okay, yeah. But then hip hop started to instead of like being the jump up hip hop, like jump around House of yeah, Pain yeah, yeah. or Crisscross, 
it became more of like a stoner type of music and uh, but i didn't want that i want that no. wanted the dance floor energy always and i just remember hearing pump up the jam it had raps it had an yeah. up-tempo beat and i was like man that's a crossover i'm looking for combine this with uh, the amiga computer and then seeing this track being being laid yeah, out yeah, by yeah, my friend yeah, yeah, yeah. This is absolutely one of the the biggest tracks. Yeah. That was the fun thing about those uh, turn of the bass compilations, that it was a bit of both actually. If yeah. you if you check it now, it was like oh yeah, it, it was rap, it was house, it was. Yeah. Well, you and I are from the same era, and so back in that day, uh, hip house was hip big house, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Double Trouble. Uh, yeah. Rebel MC. Fast Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Fast Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, pump up the jam, a real classic. Do you do you still play it sometimes? Yeah, nowadays? occasionally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Whenever I feel like it, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. My number two would be Robin S. Show me love. Okay. Got me totally hooked. Uh, there was this uh, certain time in the Netherlands where where you had to pick yeah. as a teenager, mellow or chabber. Exactly, you know exactly what I talk about. And um, it was due to Robin S. Show Me Love that I chose Mellow. So this was yeah. more of the, like the house music. Yeah. Um, but this track started on coming back in my career. Uh, one of those summers, um, I started uh, learning how to produce uh, my, my dad's uh, co-worker. Mm-hmm. He had a big synthesizer, Korg M1, which I could borrow all summer and in this synthesizer it was uh that the robin s organ came from okay so i found that preset and that summer i made 12 demos with that same organ yeah, yeah, yeah. i was i was everything obsessed. you play with that sound sounds so yeah. funky yeah so okay. you mentioned nightcrawlers push yeah, the feeling yeah, yeah, on yeah, has exactly. that same organ as well yeah, yeah yeah uh but then you know i started becoming a techno producer and whatnot and in 2003 i switched from having a hardware studio to a software, just a laptop, FL Studio and Korg released a plug-in version of the M1 synthesizer. And sure enough, that organ was in there again. And I started using that again. So that organ came back in the Steve Angelo track I made called B. Mm-hmm. Hardwell did a mashup of Mobin Master's version of Show Me Love and B. This became a big track in my sets and from there on Steve Angelo and I decided to make a, a rework of Show Me Love, show me love. Yeah. which is now forever attached to my name as well so in the Netherlands it was a little bit different because, <laughs> yeah, exactly. because Spinning was really smart and they made their own version of our version of yeah, Show Me Love that's so uh, yeah I know and for you that's great that <laughs> in the rest of the world it worked out as it should be but yeah. here in Holland yeah, you, you were ripped this remix totally right. was 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 your remix was remake. Yeah, that was a remake. Yeah, so you know what? It's fine. <laughs> and internationally, internationally, I'm always attached to to this track. And so, yeah, amazing, amazing. So number two, yeah, on my list. A last question about this because I can imagine was there is there a moment that somebody said sorry about this? Nah, no. man, they made their money. Yeah, yeah, okay, and, well, yeah. and they're out of here, yeah. and it's fine. And uh, you know, the the rest of the world is so much bigger than the Netherlands, so I, I am very grateful yeah, for that. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, number three. Well, you know what? Since we talked about it, let's do Grooveyard, Merry Go Wild. 
a big example for me, the producer of Grooveyard, uh, Jeroen Verheij, yeah, aka Secret Cinema. Secret Cinema. Yeah. yeah. Uh, big techno influence for me, but he was the guy that uh, said, Luke, you should uh, do away with your whole uh, hardware studio and, and go on to Fruity Loops. He was the guy that okay. put me on to Fruity Loops. And fun fact, because I'm in Ableton now, because I was on Fruity Loops, FL Studio, uh, a lot of my talents were on Fruity Loops. And yeah. so Avicii and uh, Afrojack, yeah. up until today, they, they still produce in there. But what was uh, the moment you, you you thought, no, I'm going to switch to this new Ableton thing? I was just fed up using Windows, man. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, okay. FL Studio wasn't on Mac. I wanted to switch oh, okay. to Mac and you just started learning Ableton and now I'm super comfortable with it. Yeah, and for live performance, uh, I think it works better. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. although I still need to dive into that, I have, have not been in the live section of okay. Ableton Live. Okay, yep. okay, nice. Yeah, uh, yeah, Mary Go Wild, yeah, great. Number four, I'll need to, I'll need to come up with uh, something Daft Punk. Yeah, uh, because Daft Punk ha- has been such a big influence on me, always, really, very much. Uh, but more, more so, uh, the underground tracks of uh, Thomas Bangalter, mm-hmm. uh, who with his. So I actually want to call. I actually want to say, Tracks on the Rocks, Volume One, that EP. That really was a, a blueprint of my my sound. Like Which was already the, well, filter disco sound. Yeah, it's a filter disco type of sound, yeah. uh, but combined with a heavy dance floor energy, he had a couple of tracks where he just programmed the, the clap on top of the kick drum, oh, yeah. which gives tracks a mega energy. Yeah. And yeah, so I was obsessed with that. And later I found out he was a part of Daft Punk and uh, started, you know, collecting all their tracks and playing yeah. all their tracks. Very important for yeah, me. Yeah, it was a great era with, with all the all these sub-artists in their family, like Stardust and... Yeah, uh, Stardust, uh, absolutely. Benjamin yeah. Diamond, all those things. Yeah. And have you ever met the, the guys? Yes, I have. Okay, great. Luckily, it was a very small... Uh, connection with uh, with Virgin Records there okay. um, and I was actually there when uh, they came out to Amsterdam with a CD and let everyone hear Discovery mm. for the very first time it was wow. like a listening session wow yeah incredible talking about incredible. the classic yeah, yeah it was yeah. funny because I remember hearing one more time after being obsessed with Stardust I was just thinking nah man that's not it <laughs> it's not going to be it. You know, the auto-tune vocals. Oh, yeah. I don't like the disco loop. It's not going to be it. Okay. And it's a classic. Okay, it's an yeah, absolute well, classic. I was so wrong. Yeah. Okay, number five. Number five. Um, it's either going to be something by Timberland or N-E-R-D. Okay. Uh, still grabbing back to my hip-hop roots. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know what? Let, uh, let's do... Um, uh, an Aaliyah production by Timberland. Let's do uh, Tell Me Are You That Somebody. Yeah. Um, with the, the, the baby sample. Yeah, with yeah, the yeah, baby yeah. sample yeah. in there. And it's interesting because in 2005, I heard that Timberland was going out to Ibiza and he was 
getting in touch with house music and therefore we have tracks tracks like sexy back now and for me he was at the end of the 90s timberland was such a big influence just because of the sheer creativity he had in his tracks and i just remember listening to his tracks thinking am i listening to drum and bass now or is this r&b yeah yeah. like i don't i don't understand and the beats are so fat like the sub and the kick drums and yeah absolutely obsessed and so these are all like blueprints of what i still stand for and what i still want to have in my tracks yeah but it was then for you a funny thing that those guys and and uh like will i am and at that point uh, the the hip-hop guys wanted to make dance you know what i couldn't believe it like uh in 2008 2009 i started doing sessions studio sessions in la and I just remember being there with the singers and they wanted me to make Dutch house. Yeah. yeah. No one could do that. And, <laughs> wow. and, and I was like there making, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. and, um, yeah, it, it was very interesting. And so now it, so that was during that time, the, the Dutch house, the, the, the sneaker sound effort time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah sneaker yeah. sound now. And wow. Yeah. And I remember, uh, at a certain point, minimal became so popular. Yeah. Minimal house. Yeah. In the Netherlands, 2008, uh, Chucky started making minimal house, and I got you know early demos from Afrojack making minimal tech house. Everyone <laughs> was in there, <laughs> and I was like, "Dudes, hold on a second. Dutch house is about to explode right now. We gotta grab back to two years ago. Yeah. We and we gotta make it big, man. We gotta jump in there. And and sure enough." Both Chucky and Afrojack listened to me, and that's why we have Pond the Floor now. And yeah. uh, Chucky came back with I- I'm in Miami, yeah. bitch. I'm in Miami, bitch. Yeah, luckily, luckily. Well, they, they, uh, they, they must thank you now then. Yeah, it was wild. It was wild. And, and we sometimes talk about it still. Uh, it, was a, it was a great time, yeah. absolutely. How was it, the whole explosion in the, in the, in the United States? crazy yeah ridiculous yeah i didn't understand it i remember playing my first las vegas show in 2007 at a pool uh was like half busy and uh, people were just asking me to play britney spears or rock music and man two years later i play at the same pool and it was packed yeah everyone wanted to hear that dutch house and it was crazy, but with the with the amount of superstars, superstars, quote unquote, coming through, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the amounts of money to be made, and I was happy, but I I didn't anticipate it to become this much of like an ugly monster. I must say, I, I'm very very picky, and yeah. right now it's such a such an industry, yeah. and I always hoped to 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 kept this integrity in there but when something blows up it's uh, it's like the, yeah. the money takes over and yeah but well i i uh, i don't know if it was a choice or but but for me you also in a good way and uh, not not being commercial or something but made it a bit more american with the with with yeah with a kind of a show with suits and yeah that was i i thought it was great what i love about america is that um in Dutch, we say, uh, just do normal. Yeah, That's crazy, yeah. crazy enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In America, it's never crazy enough. No. So finally, I could, you know, do all these crazy things like perform in superhero outfits. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we, yeah, we started to doing, you know, the, the CO2 and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah, it became 
became bigger, absolutely, and crazier. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about your own productions. Uh, so, well, uh, like you said, you started with uh, with the techno. Yeah. What for you is like, well, a track you're still proud of. So yeah, still that's my big breakthrough track, uh, Green Velvet, The Stalker, yeah. Laidback Luke remix. You don't need help. You don't Yeah. Came out in 96, probably my third release even. Wow. Got picked up by Carl Cox and uh, yeah, it was the, the kickoff of my career. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and then then we have the, the tracks that were big in the Netherlands. Obviously, we, uh, we just released the new version of Rocking With yeah. The Best. But the original version of Rocking With The Best I made in 1999. And uh, we had a video and everything with that. Uh, still very proud of that. And still, whenever yeah. you're at a Dutch party and yeah. and someone throws in the acapella, oh, man. everyone will yeah. chant it along. So exactly. that's, that's been a classic. And is the... Uh, I was wondering, I guess so, but in this new version, is the, the, the sample is still the same. That isn't the, the vocalist. No, the no. sample is still the same. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, that's important. So shout out to MC Good Grip. Oh yeah. I wrote the I wrote the vocal, but he was a he was a young rapper, like sixteen years old, and I just needed couldn't be my vocal, so I just needed someone to do that for me, and so he did that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, and then we have my Winter Gordon Dirty Talk remix. So this is, yeah, this is fast forward a few years. Yeah, Winter Gordon Dirty Talk. Because for two years you did nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had a little gap of a couple of years. I, I did put out like a couple of... Uh, okay couple of my actual proudest tracks but no one heard them no oh. one bought them oh but uh, uh, can can we still find them yeah so maybe if you google i think they're only on vinyl uh, it's a laid back look past the fury and fuck the revolution Okay. Those two tracks. Those okay. two tracks are probably the the most Daft Punk I ever got. Okay, uh, look yeah. it up. Okay. No one was interested, but no. still. <laughs> um, so Winter Gordon Dirty Talk, uh, laid back Luke remix was the signature of uh, Dirty Dutch music breaking yeah. through in America. Yeah. And still, when I when I play that over there, there's so many people that have so such great memories from that track during the big festivals and everything. And then we have Turbulence with Steve Aoki yeah. and Lil John, and especially in America. So someone showed me this. Um, actually, it was my tour manager, Sammy. He's a big basketball fan. Mm-hmm. There uh, Last weekend, there was this, this big <clears throat> game. It was a very much a tie up until the, the last moment. Three, three seconds left. There was 115 to 115. The guy goes the final seconds of the of the match guys go up until he was almost at the at the midline of the field and and he scores everyone goes wild like the biggest biggest score in yeah. 10 years straight after that they started playing turbulence all right we hit turbulence 
and millions of people were tuned in for that and they have been playing this uh, track at a lot of the american great, sports games and so that's that's one so one, there will be a peak books. in the streams again i guess yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah very thankful for that great yeah and um, was there like um i don't know if if, if you see that way or how you how you feel about it but uh well for me you're one of the big guys but uh, maybe because you're more of the producer i don't know but uh, with the whole top 100 thing for example yeah um well why why aren't you top 10 material very good question i don't want to lose my integrity man no exactly I, so uh, you're not uh, i i always hated asking for votes yeah. for the for the top yeah, well, 100 there you go. So that's number one. I, yeah. I would never, ever even do one tweet saying, please vote for me. No. Vote for your favorite DJ because I deserve it. That's number one. Yeah. Uh, number two, it's become a very financial game. So if you want to be in the top 100, you'll need to invest. Not only invest in uh, huge ads in the DJ mag, but also invest in like a group of hackers in India okay. and that sort of thing. So Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And so um, when I made the vlog about you know how sketchy the top 100 is i got banned yeah. so i'm not in there anymore oh in the whole top 100 not no, even which oh my is, god which is which is great which is absolutely yeah, great well, because yeah. um it's just a money grab thing and what i what's most important apart from my ego is that the fans need to realize that the harder you vote for your favorite dj the more expensive he gets yeah the more fee they get and the, the higher the ticket price gets. <laughs> so you pay it so back. So your, your yeah, favorite yeah, yeah. DJ wants to make more money <laughs> to do bigger shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the end, dear fan, you'll be paying for this. So I, I think it's most important that people just still come to your shows, that they have a great time, that it's affordable. And yeah, marketing-wise as well, obviously nowadays you, you need to be doing that social media thing, but I refuse to hack my social media. I refuse to hack yeah. my YouTube counts, uh, my following counts, my like counts. And so it makes you a little bit more invisible, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I really don't want to go that route that, you know, everything is no. bought and... And and do you uh, have yourself like, like a, well, a signature in, well, your own productions and maybe even the... the, the the record you are playing as a DJ? Is there something like, oh, if if if, if you are going to play it or, or, or uh, when you made it, it has... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right now right now it's that Twisted House sound. So yeah. uh, anyone who's interested, you should look up my classic uh, Break Down the House. Break the house down. which is the, the blueprint of Twisted House. And I'm playing a lot of those bleepy type of tracks yeah. uh, in my sets again. And uh, it's funny because I did a remix for a, for a big act and made a, a Twisted House uh, remix. And they came back to me. They said, uh, man, I'm not feeling this. Like, this is strange. What, what is <laughs> this? Strange. Okay. And I like that. I like that. I like it that people don't understand it just yet. And it makes me own my own thing. So again. they didn't release it? No. They didn't release it. And so I, I love it. I love it. It's... Um, okay, what... Uh, I'm so curious. Which, which, which artist is it? What kind of... Do I know the song? 
Uh, it's actually, yeah, yeah, you might. That's fine. It's uh, chain smokers. Oh wow, chain smokers. They didn't get it. They know. Wow. They know me from way back, and yeah. they were like, uh, "Dude, uh, no, we're not feeling it." So that's fine. Uh, so I, uh, wow. you know, it's a bootleg now. Um, but I think that that's awesome because nowadays everyone sounds alike. A lot of producers have their favorite ghost producer who's producing for other guys as yeah. well. And so now, yeah, the majority of the tracks sound alike. There's no mm. character anymore. No. And I'm getting my character back and I love it. Mm. With, uh, well, for example, in Rocking With The Best, with, with the new remix, with the hint back to the, 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 the early... Classic yeah. sound with I, the pianos. I mean, because th that's where the feel was. Yeah. I just remember blasting house music in my car, like in one of my first cars, driving around and thinking, wow, I'm really cool listening yeah. to this. Yeah. I yeah. want that back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. So that's a goal. Do you have any other yeah, goals, things you would like to achieve? Yeah, I've, I've this one thing. I do really still want a global crossover hit okay then that's it i just need one i've never had like i i had like you know tracks here and there yeah. show me love was great internationally and yeah. that sort of thing yeah, yeah, i just yeah. want a certified one time doesn't need to be five chain smokers doesn't need to be you know uh, just one just one just to make a make my end of the end of the career run we'll do a couple of stadiums yeah, 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 yeah. and then that's that uh i hope uh, that a lot of young uh, guys, producers, DJs uh, are listening to this podcast to know well where it all started, uh, especially in Holland. What what's an advice you can give in general? Never give up on your dreams. Set set big goals and um, allow setbacks. Yeah, you know setbacks doesn't mean you should give up on your dream. There's there's two two choices you can make. You can either give up and never get your dream, or you can just keep on going, biting through it, and the dream will always be there. And yeah, work hard, work smart. Yeah. Keep dreaming big and you'll do it. And if Luke isn't reacting, just call him five times, call his mom. <laughs> yeah, so if, if you want to talk to me, feel free to uh, reach out to my Twitter. It's yeah. at LaidbackLuke. I am always there. I say yeah. my Twitter is my WhatsApp to the world. Yeah. If you have any questions, I love it over there. That's that's how I conduct you for this podcast. Yeah. yeah. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, last question, and maybe, uh, yeah, it's a big question, but how do you want to be remembered? Um, yeah, you know, and, and uh, that's, that's a tricky question because I, I would love my ego to be left out of uh, this because it's very tempting to have that in there. I don't even really need to be remembered as long as I've been able to help people do what they love and enjoy what they love and for people to be mindful of the various traps in, in the world and you know, so because because obviously okay, that's that's very noble. But yeah. okay, uh, let me ask it in another way then. Uh, how do you or how how is laid back look? How how will laid back look be remembered? More the artist, yeah, that's uh, yeah, or the, yeah, yeah, the producer, DJ. Yeah, the the thing is, because uh, the the artist is not an act. You know, it's no. a, it's, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, the way yeah. I am. That's the thing. So I and life is so fascinating. And I do incorporate that very much. Yeah. The way I ride this career, the way I ride this life. And 
So the artists, I don't know, man. It's like the same, yeah. I don't know. It's inspirational. Like, I I am very thankful that I come across so many people that watch my YouTube channel and say, say, thanks to you, I started DJing, or thanks to you, I'm DJing again. Yeah. And... um, yeah, I'm, I'm just a catalyst, and we should all be a catalyst. I don't own dance music. No, no one owns dance music, and we should just pass it on and yeah. be nice to each other. But then uh, that's well, that's in a good way. You, yeah, well, you, 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 you made it then because, well, uh, all those guys who are there now, with a bit, uh, with a big or with a small part of your advice, that's great then. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm doing it, and I'm absolutely thankful. But right now, there are new talents being born, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they need some guidance as well. And so I'll still be here. Yeah, do you? Because you talked about this a lot, and and um, about this whole Avicii thing. Yeah. Uh, well, do you? I, and and you shouldn't. But I'm thinking about this now. Do you sometimes feel uh, guilty? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh man, this is why uh, the Avicii thing. Uh, the real message in the Avicii thing is that we should be aware of the pitfalls. Yeah. In a successful career, but also in the world, absolutely. You know, I, I think it's super important that we are allowed to talk about mental health right now. And if you're not feeling great, no, then you can just talk about that and. Uh, Within reason, of course, but never just feel like you need to hold it back or, um, and you know, there's been a decades of these amazing DJ footage and stories yeah, and yeah. it's big and it's girls and it's fame and it's yeah, money and yeah. it's shows and people adoring you, but there's a dark side. And yeah. thanks to Avicii, we can discuss this now. Yeah. So that's well. That's the small positive thing about it. Yeah. 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 Okay, uh, Luke. It was a pleasure. Thanks uh, pleasure. for your time uh, and sharing your stories. Um, more episodes of this podcast coming up. And if you have any questions, feel free to contact me at Twitter at G I E L S. Thanks for listening. How do you say again? Battle up? No. Battle. Battle. Battle up? No. What's the What's the end? Uh, uh, yeah. But now uh, what is it again? Like okay, so the end is L's up. Oh yeah. Rave safely. Salute. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Check this out.